when it comes to a brand, your audience is always the first person or first thing that you need to keep in mind because ideally your brand is not just going to be something that you like, but you need to appeal to your ideal client because they're going to be the ones who are spending money with you. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davey Jones. In today's episode, Chris and I are covering the components of a strong visual brand identity, and we're diving into a few things to consider when it comes to client avatars, logo design, fonts, colors, and more. If you're getting ready to tackle a brand design project, be sure to check out our Anatomy of a Brand Guide. It is a free download, and it's one of our biggest guides yet. We received some stellar feedback about it, so people seem to be finding it really helpful. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And we want to hear from you. Let us know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brandset Book Podcast as we move forward. To leave your feedback, just send us a DM on Instagram at davianchrista. Now, on to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Brandset Book Podcast. Krista's here again with me up in the office for once. Oh my goodness. Davey. Just for people listening who may not have listened before, um, that's not a knock. Uh, well, it, it kind of is, but it's not a knock on you working. You've just been working from downstairs. Yes. I throughout mean, most of the pregnancy. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's closer to the bathroom, helps to keep my feet up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I haven't minded this is, but this is now my office. I feel like there's some sort of squatter's law. Now I'm going to start changing out all the art in the room. You don't even know how to do that. All right. Well, anyways, we are here. We're talking about creating a strong visual brand identity today. And this is something that I think is, well, maybe it's not fair to say overlooked, but I I do think that when people come to us for brand and website design, maybe they're not so sure about brand design. I think the website maybe feels like the more tangible of the two items or functional at least. So I think people are more willing to go, you know, kind of, you know, just use stuff they kind of find out there for their brand, for their logo, right. and then say that's like good a enough. Canva template or something. Yeah, exactly. And then just say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to do that for my brand. Let's build a website. And I always try to explain to people, and this is, is really isn't, it's not a sales technique or anything, but that when we do brand and website design, or even when somebody has brand design done and comes to us for website design, right. but they have those brand materials, 
their website feels like on a different level. Oh yeah. I mean, if somebody comes to us and they don't have a very strong brand and they're really going to rely on the website, really, it's going to feel more template-y than if they come to us with all of these other pieces that we're going to talk about today. I mean, it takes it from template to something that feels more polished and cohesive. Absolutely. And, and the two examples of this that come to mind are the Sleep Sorority website and the Jess Jordana website right, as counterexamples, not, <laughs> you know, as, as websites that are both semi-custom. Right. Right. But that have such strong brands. Becca did the sleep sorority herself, but yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have, they have strong we brands. We did their brand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but at least, you know, Jessica Jordana's comes to mind in terms of a website example where, you know, yeah, it's a semi-custom website, but I don't think people would be able to tell in part because there are just such strong brand elements throughout the site. Mm -hmm. And she came to us with a brand that another designer had done, but it was just so well done. There were fun colors and graphics to use and we knew exactly what fonts to change things to. And so I don't think it feels anything like the template that we started with because she had so many things to work with already. And she knew exactly who her audiences too, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what we'll dive into today. We're going to talk about specifically the visual brand. And there is a difference or there is a distinction there between, you know, just brand design, brand design in general. But, you know, you have the visual brand side of things, which is what we're going to talk about today. And then you have another side, you know, where you would be talking about like things like brand voice. And that would be something that you would want to cover with a copywriter. Yeah. So let's jump in. When we start talking about brand design, maybe I should say this at the outset, you know, or we should sort of talk about this at the outset. So people have, you know, the right expectation, you know, after listening to this episode with, with website design, I feel fairly confident saying to people, Hey, listen, if you have a specific budget that precludes custom or semi-custom website design and you need to get a website design, you know, yes, you can do that. You know, go, you know, on our website or somebody else's or whatever and get a template and start there. Right. And I feel confident that people can end with a product that's going to look pretty good. What about with brand design? Like, do you feel like that is something that people can do on their own? If they want something really simple, I think that they can. And we actually have a tutorial out there for making a, a just text logo in Illustrator and Canva and exporting it. But I think that if you want something that has a defined color palette and font palette and maybe some sort of icon that is representative of your brand, the way that our palm tree is representative of our brand, then I think that it's probably helpful to work with a designer. Because otherwise, if you don't know how to do those illustrations yourself and you're starting with something like Canva, it's probably a like pre-populated design that other people are going to use. And so it might not feel as unique. Sure, sure. And I think, you know, that's kind of what my gut says too, which is you're not going to be, I think, as able to get as far as you would on the website design side of things by doing it yourself. And just kind of understanding too, you know, if you don't have that design sense, like for me personally, I don't think I would even try to come up with my own brand. I mean, I don't even think you would know where to find fonts. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, exactly. You know, like I, I don't, but like, I'm just thinking, and obviously, you know, I have a, I'm cheating because I have a, a wife who is a designer. Right. But, you know, I'm thinking about the different businesses that we either run or have started and, you know, for each of them, like I wouldn't, like I, I have, I help manage or have helped with the creation of some of the websites. Uh, and I feel very confident there, especially on the technical side of things, but on the, you know, like for brand design, no. no. <laughs> 
It's just funny to even picture you trying to come up with a brand. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Anyways, let's go through, let's kind of start through, uh, let's just talk about the process, kind of what elements that we're talking about that people who maybe want to take a shot at, uh, at it on their own should be thinking about, or if just somebody's getting ready for maybe a brand design project, some stuff that they should be thinking about. Right. Or if you have an existing brand that you like, just things to consider as well. Uh, maybe you have a logo that you really like, but you've never thought about all these other aspects that we're going to talk about and how you can bring them to life throughout your brand presence. Awesome. So where do we start? I always recommend starting with your audience. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but when it comes to a brand, your audience is always the first person or first thing that you need to keep in mind because ideally your brand is not just going to be something that you like, but you need to appeal to your ideal client because they're going to be the ones who are spending money with you. You need to resonate with them. And so if they see or come across your brand and it's not using colors or visuals that resonate with them, it's a lot less likely that they're going to want to work with you or contact you or buy from you. Yeah. And I think that this is an easy thing to, to skip because people think, you know, oh yeah, yeah, of course I have an idea of who my ideal client is, but I would highly recommend that people go through the process of creating a client avatar. Oh yeah. And the more specific that you can be, the better. Even big brands like Apple and Target don't try to appeal to everyone. Some people are always going to be like high-end boutique shoppers and not Target people. And Target knows that. And so their brand reflects like a very specific person. And same with Apple. Some people are always going to be Microsoft people. I'm not sure why, but <laughs> there are Microsoft people out there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just think in turn, and this is an activity that's not just good for brand design specifically, certainly for, you know, the brand voice side of things as well. And when you're coming up with copy for, you know, your website or for Instagram post or for whatever, it's a, you know, just a, a really useful activity. And you might surprise yourself too, as you dig into it, you know, to what level you can bring it to. You know? Yeah, we ask people to think about like if the gender of their ideal client, where they shop, how they spend their free time, what kind of art decorates their walls, where they just make purchases and, and just where they, they live. And when you can think of all of those things and pull them together, a lot of times visuals start to speak for themselves. So like maybe you know that your ideal client shops at Zara and Restoration Hardware. And even if you go to look at visuals for their brands, you're probably going to start to see consistency among colors and typefaces and even the styles of images that those brands are sharing. And so I think that makes the next activity a lot easier too. We have our audience. We've come up with uh, some sort of client avatar and it's okay, you know, just as a note to have more than one client avatar. You might have different types of clients that you serve. So, you know, go through it, go through that activity for the different clients that you need to serve. And this maybe is just a good, uh, actually, I think I've done an episode maybe with Jess on client avatars. Maybe I can't remember at this point. Yeah. Jess has been on a couple times. Yeah. So check out, check out that, but maybe, maybe another uh, episode is in order um, just to review, you know, coming up with a client avatar and a few things around that. But, you know, after we're done that, moving on to a mood board. So what's the point of a mood board? Am I going to do anything with a mood board? You're probably not going to share it publicly unless like you really love your mood board and you want to share it with like social media, but a mood board isn't something that most people are ever going to see. A mood board really, it's something that our team uses to help determine visuals. So once we have that avatar and especially if an avatar mentions a lot of very specific brands or specific activities that someone does, we'll start to pull images from 
those places. So if somebody tells me that their ideal client spends their vacation time in Tuscany and they like to wear Zara, I'll use Zara again because I know they go together, then I can start pulling images from both of those brands. So maybe I get some like beautiful landscape images from Tuscany. Maybe I find a bottle of like Tuscan wine. Maybe I pull images from Zara. Maybe I go and do a Pinterest search and search for Zara email newsletters because email newsletters tend to contain a lot of great visuals from brands. And I can start to put all of those pieces together into the mood board. And then from there, a lot of times the look and feel just kind of naturally emerges. So you'll probably see consistencies among colors, among fonts, among overall imagery style. And then that's something that you can take and use for the other elements that we'll talk about in the brand. What I usually tell clients is when they get the mood board or the the purpose of the mood board is just for us to make sure we're on the same page aesthetically. It's not to say like, oh, you use this specific image. I don't love that image. I don't want that image on my website. It's usually just a hint at look and feel. Yeah, absolutely. And it is good test, I think. Just kind of a good, you know, litmus litmus test for whether we're on, you're heading the right direction. Yeah. And if you want a free template that we have that you can start to do this for yourself, um, we'll include a link in the show notes because we have a free template for Photoshop that you can download. Next, after the mood board, we would start moving into logo design, right? Yeah. I mean, a logo is probably the most common thing we think of when we think of a brand. So it's the Nike swoosh. It's the Coca-Cola, like, scripty font. I don't know if you've ever noticed in the FedEx logo, there's a hidden arrow in between the E and the X. I try not to think (laughs) about FedEx. FedEx is... UPS is better. I feel very strongly about it. This is one of those just weird things that I feel very strongly about. And I and I apologize if there's any, you know, FedEx, if people, you know, are FedEx loyal out there. Well, if you look at their logo, there's a hidden arrow in the typography. And that was intentionally designed to like imply the like idea of moving forward, you know, like motion, like the Amazon smile that also is an arrow. If you've noticed that. You're like nodding your head. No, yeah. I mean, everybody's seen it, right? Yeah. You know, it's a on that bright blue on the side of their trucks. As far as, I mean, so how do we approach logos? I mean, I think that a lot of times when people come in, I mean, I I think we work with, you know, clients that come in with uh, some sort of idea of what they want for a logo and others who, you know, kind of just let the process, you know, reveal that. So, I mean, you know, any, any notes on logos that you should cover with people? I think that a lot of people think that they're like the make or break of a brand, but that is probably like as far from true as possible. Like, yes, if you have an amazing logo that can totally strengthen your brand, but I think anthropology is a great example. Like their logo is very simple. It's just typography and kind of like a typewritery looking typeface. As far as I know, they don't have any like icons that go with it other than typographical elements. And like, I think so many of us, especially like in the creative industry, love anthropology and really resonate with their brand. And that's because of all of the other elements of their brand. It's the colors that they use. It's the way that their website looks. It's the smells and the layout of their store and just their overall brand presence. And so all of these things go together to make a brand. And so for you, if you're just getting started or you don't know exactly what you want, like a simple logo can work really well for a brand. And so I wouldn't stress too much about a logo. Logos can also evolve and change. I think Coca-Cola has evolved their logo every decade since its existence. And our logo to a certain extent has evolved over time, not the palm tree. The palm tree has been the one consistent. I made that in college and we just always loved it. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Even though we've recently traded the beaches for the mountains. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree with all that. I would say that, you know, brand design, you know, a good brand, if when you experience a company, right, it's all of those things that come together that you were just mentioning. All right, cool. Well, I think you've said all there, all there needs to be said about logo design for right now. All right, moving on to some of these other things. Let's talk colors and fonts. How much does this make a difference? I think it makes a pretty big difference. So if you've gone through a mood board activity or made a mood board for yourself, it's possible that you came up with a color palette. And so a color palette is just a group of several colors that you use consistently throughout your brand. And while consistent color use may not seem like it's that vital, if you think about Target Red or Southwest Airlines Blue, Red, and Gold, like you would probably see those, any of those colors together. If you see those like three colors, you probably recognize that it's Southwest and not like Delta. And likewise, like if somebody were to hand you a little teal jewelry box with a white ribbon, I bet you know exactly what's inside. So color goes a long way. And I asked the question because I, I feel like they also make a big difference. And I think it's two of the things that like nobody comes to uh, the brand design process and is like, I really just want to nail my fonts and colors. You know, it's like all about the logo design. It's all about the submarks, which I don't think we, we didn't talk about submarks, did we? We should talk about submarks because people have lots of questions about submarks. And I do think, you know, personally, I'm a fan of a good okay, submark. Okay, we'll talk about so, Yes, we'll talk about submarks after this. Yeah, colors and fonts. But I do think that they make uh, such a big difference when it comes to a website. And when you go to a website, like you said, that either uses colors inconsistently or uses colors that don't quite work together. Fonts, you know, another thing like, and this I think is most apparent as you're scrolling down a page and it's just jumping from, you know, different fonts to different scripts. I mean, I don't know all the words, weight, <laughs> but you can tell, right? And let me add one more thing about color. There's a lot that goes into choosing colors and color theory because colors communicate different things like red and communicates bold and anger and like taking action now and like strong and lighter, softer colors tend to communicate a more sophisticated high-end brand. So, all of that ties back to your ideal client and what you want to say to them through your brand. So that's another reason why colors are really important, even if someone like you might overlook them. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I was just saying, I, <laughs> I just took that. I just took that right on the chin. You're like someone like you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just. Okay, we'll move on. We're going to talk about submarks real quick. Wait, no, no. I have more to say about fonts. All right. Because Good. fonts, it's the same. All right, out with it. It is the same theory. Different fonts, they might have different weights or they might um, just have a different look and feel to them. I've like, there was a, a period in time in the photography industry where like Trajan Pro or Papyrus were really popular, but um, all of these fonts were created for specific meanings and for specific purposes. And um fonts communicate just as much as color. Like I bet if you looked at the Tiffany's logo and the Claire's logo, you could tell which one is going to be more high end just by looking at the logo. And both of them are very simple. The typography is the only thing that sets them apart. When it comes to choosing fonts, I always try to make sure that they coordinate with the logo. And it's always a good idea to limit the number of fonts that you use. So a good rule of thumb is going to be one serif font. So a serif font is the font with the little feet on it. One sans serif font, so a font without the little feet on it. And then one display font. So that might be something like a script. Like I would never bring in multiple scripts into a brand because it starts to get confusing and that's when brand is going to start feeling diluted. Anything else to say about fonts? <laughs> 
TV. I, I mean, I, I agree. And I, and I think that fonts too, just from a user experience perspective on a website, it makes a difference. So submarks. One of the reasons I don't want to talk about submarks or secondary logos or sublogos is that when I'm on a call with somebody and, and I'm walking through the brand design process, people often are like, well, what's that? A submark is typically an alternate version of your logo. So a lot of times you have your main version of your logo, but then maybe you need a version of it without the icon, or maybe you need a version of it that is stacked or in a circle, or it has like a different, like maybe it's just your tagline and your icon. And so when we're working on brands, whenever we can, we try to throw in a bunch of different submarks because there might be other cases where you use them. Like maybe a submark looks better on the back of a business card, or maybe it's a submark that looks good on social media instead of your full big main logo, which some of them have like lots of elements. And so sometimes you just need something more simple. All right. Awesome. I think that does it. I do think that having submarks gives you like a little versatility. And I just like looking at them. Yeah, they're kind of fun to look at. <laughs> yeah, you know. Anyways, moving on, uh, we have a few other things to talk about. Imagery, what, what do we have to say about imagery? I feel like you're on the same like thread with images as with fonts and colors. I've already mentioned that I value fonts and colors. And imagery, I feel like we talk about a decent amount. Yeah, I mean, imagery is is pretty vital. Like the kind of images you use should be the kind that fit with your overall brand and that probably resonate with your ideal client. So if your ideal client is shopping at someplace like Pottery Barn or Zara, you probably aren't going to use like super dark, moody, contrasting images on your site because that's not going to be consistent with what your clients are drawn to. And then one big thing that I think a lot of people don't think about when it comes to imagery is like, let's say that you're a photographer and all of your images are really light and bright and happy and cheerful. You want to make sure that your headshot fits with that aesthetic. Like your headshot should look like it was maybe taken by you. You wouldn't want to have your friend who has really dark contrasty moody images take your headshot and then upload that to your website because it's going to feel inconsistent. And so like, wherever your images appear, whether it's on social media or your website or in emails, you want to make sure they all look cohesive and like they fit together. So if you're a professional photographer, who's again, whose images are happy, bright, light, airy, you wouldn't want your Instagram feed to be inconsistent with that. Everything should flow together. Yeah. And I think that really covers kind of our next point about being consistent. You know, I think, I think you'd, and I think that's the biggest thing or one of the biggest things, especially from the client experience side of things to build brand trust is to be consistent in, you know, what you're sharing from your business. Yeah. I mean, and this even goes on to like every part of your brand. Like if you send a client gift, you'd want to make sure that the gift overall matches the look and feel of your, your brand. So like if you're a newborn photographer who has like soft, airy, light, images and you're trying to appeal to like the anthropology kind of family, you'd want to make sure that you're sending a unique gift that fits that aesthetic. So I wouldn't drop ship something from Amazon. I'd probably source like an organic baby gown, newborn bringing home gown, wrap it in like handmade paper or just like something that feels super thick and expensive, tie it with a really nice kind of bow and then handwrite a note. Like everything flows together to establish your brand. And that's how brands like Anthropology have built so much with something so simple. You know, uh, for people who are saying, okay, well, I've done this or, you know, they go and do this and they focus on these different elements from, you know, the, the client avatar to the logo design, fonts and colors and so on, you know, and are ready to, to, to make updates to their website. Mm -hmm. 
you know, how do we recommend tackling that? I recommend starting with the fonts and colors because I think that that goes a long way towards generating a look and feel on your website. So if even if you just put in your new color palette and then put in your font palette and start to implement those consistently, that's going to make a big difference towards the overall look and feel of your website and your brand. And I know for Show It, for instance, they have brand tools where you can go and make those updates and they globally adjust the settings. Is that the same with Elementor as well? It is, yeah. Okay, awesome. So it is really easy. Like, you know, you can update it in one place. It's going to update in most global set like areas, you know, of the template or website that you're using. So really, instead of going through page by page, element by element, you might just feel a little more momentum that way. Cool. Is there, um, you know, anything else that we need to cover? I think that we can't stress enough that like, this is just the visual part of a brand. And there's a whole nother like psychological part of a brand, brand voice that we aren't diving into, but that people like Jester Dana do. And working with somebody to create a strong brand voice is going to go a long way because visuals are only going to get you so far. I think that when your words and the copy that you're using can appeal to your ideal client as well that's going to be like the trigger that makes them book with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and it really does all go together. And I would say each part is super important. You know, it's once you know somebody really well, you can kind of see them at a distance and be like, oh, you know, that's Krista, you know, she come, coming, you know, coming around the corner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then same thing, if you were just to hear someone talk, right? And you just, you know, you probably think of some of your closest friends and some of the things that they would say where, you know, they're telling you that it's you, uh, but, but, you know, not telling you that it's you. <laughs> um, it just maybe they have certain like uh, phrases that they, they say all the time. And so you kind of hear them again, come around the corner and it's like, oh yeah, it's definitely them. Right. Yeah. I think you want to evoke something sort of a similar feeling with your brand as well mm-hmm. so that people immediately recognize it both visually, but then also just by hearing it and being able to understand, okay, yeah, for sure. That's definitely, you know, whatever brand. And both of those things, I think, really come together to, to form a strong brand. And when they don't, or when there's a disconnect to between like the brand voice that you're using, and maybe it sounds, you know, value, whereas your visual brand identity is high end and luxury, right? There's a disconnect there. And I think anytime there's a disconnect like that, it doesn't build trust. I think that when people do brand voice well, that's really what makes their clients fall in love with them. Yeah. Yeah. And and we've said that in other uh, podcasts and YouTube videos as well is, is, and I think something that we see because we're in a creative industry, we work with a lot of creative clients who value imagery is sometimes the voice part is, is overlooked. So we don't have to go into that again. All right. Well, that's that for uh, visual brand identity. All you need to know. Okay. Maybe not all you need to know. All right. But uh, enough to get you started, especially if you're thinking about working on brand design. Like I said, at the beginning of this episode, you know, I think that knowing your strengths, right. <laughs> and, uh, and anytime you can do your something yourself, I feel like I am quick to say, yeah, give it a shot. You know, talk to people about Facebook ads all the time who, you know, maybe they have never run an ad campaign before. Uh, and I always suggest going out and running your own ad campaign before finding an agency to do it for you, you know, in, in most cases. And so I think there's a lot of value in doing stuff yourself. I would say that this is one of the few areas where I'd say, <laughs> you know, if you, if you don't feel like this is one of your gifts, maybe just find a brand designer to help on some level, right. you know, whether it's with a semi-custom brand or, or, or whatever. So anyways. If you want to learn a little bit more about this or see us bring a brand to life, like a, a good example brand. We have a free guide that you can download, the anatomy of a brand guide, and we'll link to that in our, our notes. 
Absolutely. Well, thanks for, uh, you know, coming and joining me in the, uh, the office. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to deviancrista.com. 